Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. Let's turn to Mark chapter 16 and begin in verse 1. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun, and they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? If you remember at the end of the last chapter, it said that Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph beheld where he was laid. And it was important to them to know where that sepulcher was because they, they hadn't finished really preparing the body of the Lord for burial. But the women are anxious to come back and to finish that work of of preparing the body of the Lord for burial. And so here they are on, on Sunday morning. Remember the, the Jewish Sabbath would go from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. They, they can't go out at night to go and do this. And so the first opportunity that they have, they go there to, to prepare that body. And they're going very early in the morning. It's When they leave, it's still dark. They're getting to the sepulcher right at about sunrise. And you see who it mentions that's there. It mentions Mary Magdalene, uh, Mary the mother of James and Salome. There's also other women that are there as well. No no men that are going there originally or, or initially. Uh, but these women that had been with Christ, uh, they go to... to finish that work of preparing the body. And you see, it says that it was very early in the morning, and they're coming to the sepulcher right at the rising of the sun, and as they're on their way, they're they're talking about um, how they're going to get there to the body. You see, they say, who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? Because this this tomb was sealed with a stone, um, the the other Gospels also record how there were soldiers put there to watch and to make sure that nobody came and stole the body away. Um, and, and the women are concerned about how they're going to get into the tomb to, to finish this work. Um, this, as, as I was reading this passage this week and, and preparing for the lesson today, it reminded me of a, a story in the Old Testament. Um, if you go back to Genesis chapter 29, and, and notice the events here, um, a, a story that is maybe not one of the better known accounts in the Old Testament, but um, one that most of you have probably heard at some point or other, uh, and maybe have, maybe have forgotten about even. But uh, in Genesis chapter 29, Jacob has left, if you remember, he had to flee for his life, really, from his brother Esau, because he had, he had not only previously stolen Esau's birthright, or I guess really he didn't steal, steal the birthright, Esau sold him the birthright, but uh, he tricked his father and, and stole the blessing 
that should have belonged to Esau in, you know, in their culture. Um, and, and Esau was very upset about it. And Jacob leaves to go back to where his father and grandfather's family would have been from. And you see in, in chapter 29, verse 1, it says, Then Jacob went on his journey and came into the land of the people of the east. And he looked, and behold, a well in the field, and lo, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well they watered the flocks, and a great stone was upon the well's mouth. And thither were all the flocks gathered, and they rolled the stone from the well's mouth, and watered the sheep, and put the stone again upon the well's mouth in his place. And Jacob said unto them, My brethren, whence be ye? And they say, Of Haran are we. And he said unto them, Know ye Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. And he said unto them, Is he well? And they said, He is well. And behold, Rachel his daughter cometh with the sheep. And he said, Lo, it is yet high day, neither is it time that the cattle should be gathered together. Water ye the sheep and go and feed them. And they said, We cannot until all the flocks be gathered together, until they roll the stone from the well's mouth, then we water the sheep. And while he yet spake with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she kept them. And it came to pass, when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. And Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. Now, uh, you know, here, here Jacob, part of the reason he's been sent back to, to, uh, his father's family and his mother's family is to find a wife. Remember, Esau had married married Canaanite wives and an Ishmaelite wife. Uh, here, here uh, Jacob is sent back to the family of Abraham and Isaac and of Rebekah. And you see, uh, remember how Abraham had sent his servant back there to find a wife for Isaac. And you see the providence of God in, in these things. If you remember with the, the servant of Abraham, God, God led him to the, to the right woman, uh, for Isaac. And here, uh, as Jacob gets there, you, you can see the providence of God there as Rachel is coming, just as Jacob is there at, at the well. And there's this well here that is sort of a, sort of a community well, where people would come and, and water their flocks. And when he gets there, there's just some, some shepherds there with their flocks. And, um, they're not, they're not watering their sheep. There's this stone on the well. And apparently every day, uh, at a certain time, they would come, they would roll the stone away, and everybody would water their animals at the same time. Well, Jacob, seeing that Rachel is coming, and here's this, this, uh, relative of his, um, he, he wants to know why they don't open up the well, and you see the shepherds say in verse 8, we cannot until all the flocks be gathered together till they roll the stone from the well's mouth, then we water the sheep. And uh, so Jacob here, he on his own, he rolls the stone from the well's mouth in order to let let uh, Rachel water her flock. And you know, you think about the, the connections there. Christ likened himself to to a well he talked about a, a well of living water and how you know those who who believed in him he likened it to drinking water from this well and they would never thirst again and here just like Rachel Rachel needed somebody to roll that stone away so that she could have she could have access there to the waters of the well these women as they're coming to the sepulcher to the tomb they're wondering who's going to roll the stone away 
And, you know, it might seem kind of strange to, to liken a, a well and a sepulcher. Under most circumstances, you definitely would not want to confuse the two, right? But, uh, this, this sepulcher, this tomb, actually, as they're coming here to the tomb, it's, it's not even really right to call it a tomb here at this point, because a tomb is where you lay something that's dead. And there's nothing dead in this tomb as they're coming on this Sunday morning to, to, uh, that place where they had laid Christ. They don't know that yet. But uh, when they get there, if you go back to Mark chapter 16, you see in verse 4, when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. Now Mark doesn't tell you how the stone was rolled away. Mark doesn't, doesn't give you that information. But uh, if you go over to the book of Matthew, and we're going to do a lot of turning here between these various gospel accounts, Go to Matthew chapter 28. Um, You know, these four gospel accounts uh, are not intended, they're not intended for each of them to give you all of the information about the life and, and death and resurrection of the Lord. They each give a different picture of various things, and so one gospel will fill in details that another one doesn't. And, um, Especially when it comes to these accounts of the resurrection. If you go, if you go, for instance, on the internet and you look up various criticisms of the Bible and, and there are these lists you can find of supposed contradictions in the Bible. And, uh, for people it always, it always amazes me that, you know, skeptics and atheists would spend so much time trying to disprove the Bible, right? I mean, I can understand somebody who holds to some false religion putting a lot of time into trying to convince somebody of, you know, of the truth of their false religion. But, but for an atheist whose message is really there's, you know, there's nothing to believe in except yourself and what you can see and, and touch and feel, uh, that they would put so much effort into trying to disprove the Bible. And so they'll give you these long lists of supposed contradictions in the Bible. And the favorite area of attack is these accounts of the resurrection, right? And, and you take the four gospel accounts and you put them side by side and you'll see some different details. Um, in fact, it, it can be a helpful thing to do in your own study to kind of try and harmonize those gospels. I'm, I'm using today just something I put together. I've got, if you see those columns there, you know, each of the four gospels and then, you know, the verses that correspond one to another. Sometimes it can be a challenging thing because sometimes it can be hard to figure out what the, the order of the events. Not all of the gospels give a chronological order of those things. But, um, here Matthew fills in a detail for us in Matthew 28 and starting in verse 2. He fills in a detail for us that none of the other gospels give us about how the stone is rolled away. Uh, Matthew 28 verse 2, it says, Behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow, and for fear of him the keepers did shake and became as dead men. Now there's a, an additional detail that Matthew gives you. You don't see in our text in Mark. But you see that it's the angel of the Lord that descends from heaven. He rolls back the stone and he sits upon the stone. And, and not only that, there's this, there's this earthquake that takes place. And you see that the, the keepers are so afraid, this watch that's set there to watch the tomb to make sure nobody steals the body away, they are so afraid of this this angel, it says they shook and they became as dead men. 
And you know that often the, the first response that people have when they see an angel is fear. In fact, the women are gonna, are gonna be afraid when they first see the angel. Um, the rolling away of the stone, understand, you might, you might wonder, why send an angel to do that? Why didn't Christ just do that? Why didn't Christ just roll away the stone? Understand, rolling away the stone is, is not, it's not a part of the work of Christ in His resurrection. In fact, there was no, Christ didn't have any need for the stone to be rolled away for His own benefit. Um, it's not as if the angel has to come and roll away the stone so Christ can get out. When the angel rolls away the stone, Christ is already gone. Remember, this is the same Lord Jesus Christ who, uh, within, within a few days after this, is going to do things like walking through walls, like materializing and dematerializing, right? And so, it's not to let Christ out that the stone is rolled away. Christ is, is already risen. He's already out of the tomb. And the angel rolls away the stone so that when these women and the other disciples get there, they can verify that that tomb is empty. You see? They can, they can, uh, be witnesses of His resurrection. Uh, like the, the well there with, with, uh, Jacob and Rachel. You know, the water is there in the well, avail, you know, available, but they couldn't get to it because of the, the, uh, the stone in front of the door. And here likewise, these women, now they don't, you know, they don't understand at this point. They're not looking for Christ to rise from the dead. Um, he, he had certainly told his followers that he was going to rise from the dead, but they didn't understand it. And even here at, at this point, you know, they don't, they don't understand he's going to rise from the dead. They're there to prepare a dead body. But when they get there, you see there's no dead body there. The stones rolled away and the tomb is empty. Now they don't immediately understand the importance of that. Um, you know, they wonder whether whether the uh, the body's been stolen or or whatever. They don't understand the full significance of that yet, and and they won't for a little bit here in our uh, in our study. But they're able to verify that body's not there. The Lord's not there. That dead body that they expected to come and have to prepare for for burial. Um, that they expected to have to come, you know, and the preparation for burial was sort of an embalming process to, to help preserve the body. But here there's nothing that needs to be preserved. The body's gone altogether. Christ isn't there. And uh, so, so if you go back to Mark then, and Mark, will, we'll turn to these various Gospels, but we'll always come back here to our text in Mark 16. You see, it says in verse 4, when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away for it was very great. And verse 5 says, And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. Now actually, before we go on any farther here in Mark, we do need to go and, and look at something else. Because again, one of the, the attacks of these people who claim contradictions in the Bible, um, they will claim that there are discrepancies between who was at the tomb and, and, you know, what they saw at the tomb and, and those kinds of things. And one of the discrepancies that they will claim has to do with, you see here, these women come to the door, the stones rolled away, and they enter in and they see this, this young man who is an angel, uh, inside the tomb at, at the right side. Um, but if you compare that with John's gospel, you see what at first might appear to be a discrepancy. Go over to, the Gospel of John, chapter 20. And notice that in John's account, first of all, um, in John chapter 20, verse 1, 
it says, the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene. Now, John doesn't mention any of the other women that were there. He just focuses on Mary Magdalene. Now, Mary Magdalene, uh, you might remember, oftentimes it's people will teach that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. It never says that in the Bible. That comes from tradition. Uh, it does say she was somebody out of whom Christ had cast seven devils. All right, and and so you know whether she was a prostitute or not, this was a, a woman who had been known before she met Christ. She had been known for being a, a sinner, a sinful woman, in whatever way that was. Maybe she was a prostitute. The Bible just doesn't say. But uh, uh, Christ had cast the devils out of her, and she became this close follower of Christ. And there often seems to be a very a very close relationship there between Christ and Mary Magdalene. And here John focuses on Mary Magdalene. She comes to the sepulcher. And notice in, in um, verse, well, verse 2, so Mary Magdalene comes and, and she sees the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Verse 2 says, Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Now you see, it doesn't mention her going into the tomb. It doesn't mention her seeing an angel. So, you know, what, what's going on here? Who's right? Is John right or is, is Mark right or the other gospel writers? Who's correct? Um, it's most likely that what you have going on here is Mary, as soon as Mary, Mary Magdalene, as soon as she sees that stone rolled away from the door, she runs back to tell Peter and, and John. Right Now, the other things that the other Gospels record, the other women stay there. They don't all go with Mary. They stay there. They enter into the tomb. Uh, they see the angel. Mary isn't going to see an angel until, until later. Right? So, so Mary sees the empty tomb. Without going in, she immediately runs back to tell the disciples. Um, you see, she goes and she tells Simon Peter, and then it mentions the other disciple whom Jesus loved. That's, that's how John refers to himself. He doesn't, he doesn't refer to himself as John. It's as if he doesn't want to give glory to himself. You almost have to piece it together that he's talking about himself. But, but uh, John very often will refer to the disciple whom Jesus loved, and that's a reference to John himself. And so you see, Mary, Mary uh, tells them, they've taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher. We know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And he stooping down and looking in saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lie. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself, then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. Now understand that it went, when it says here that Peter and the, and the other disciple, that uh, when they looked in, it says when he saw he believed. It's not that he believed Christ rose from the dead yet. You see, it makes a point to say they, they didn't yet know that scripture that he would rise from the dead. But they believe the report of Mary, right? Mary says the body's not there. Uh, Mary just assumes somebody took the body and she doesn't know where the body is. They had taken, remember, special care to notice where the body was laid and it's not there. And that's what, that's what Peter and John are believing there when they see the empty tomb. 
They haven't yet seen Christ. They haven't yet had it verified to them that He's risen from the dead. But they believe Mary's report that the body isn't there. They see the, the, the napkin. They see the grave clothes there. But the body isn't there. Now, again, if we go back to Mark, so you have some overlap in some events here. Right? So, so when Mary sees the empty tomb, she runs to go and tell Peter. Meanwhile, these other women are still there at the tomb and they go into the tomb. Mark chapter 16, verse 5, it says, Entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted, ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen, he is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him as he said unto you. So while Mary's running back to get Peter, and, and while Peter and John possibly are even on their way there to the tomb, remember the tomb is outside of the city, and this could have been a, a great distance. But um, the other women go into the tomb, and this angel, you see, first of all, tells them not to be affrighted because they're they're afraid when they see him. And uh, he tells him tells them that Christ isn't there. He's risen. And he gives them a message for the disciples. And that is that they're to go into Galilee and that's where they're going to see the Lord Jesus Christ. Now nobody has seen Him yet. Nobody has, has uh, seen Him resurrected yet at this point. But... Uh, there the disciples are going to see Christ. They're to go back into the, into Galilee, into that place where Christ had done so much of His ministry, and that's where they're going to see the risen Lord. And verse 8, as you can imagine, it says, they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed, neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Verse 9 says, Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, He appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom He had cast seven devils. Now, again, this might seem kind of, kind of strange here in Mark if you don't have the parallel account over in John. Because in Mark 16.1, Mary is there with all the other women. Um, Mark doesn't mention anything about Mary uh, you know, going off by herself or, or anything like that. It, it appears, if you didn't have the other accounts, it appears like all the women are there still together. And yet when you get here to verse 9, now Mary's by herself. And Mary sees the Lord first before anybody else. Right? Now John fills in the gap for you. John tells you how it is that Mary came to be by herself and came to see the Lord first of anyone. Mary, by the way, sees the Lord not just first of these women, but first of any of the disciples, any of the followers of Christ. Mary is the very first one to see the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And just to fill in that gap again, let's go back to John chapter 20. Okay, John chapter 20. Um, so, so we already saw here in John 20 how Mary comes with Peter and John and, and uh, at the end of, of that passage we read just a few minutes ago, verse 10 said, then the disciples went away again unto their own home. Right, so, so again, just to, to get the order of the events here, the women come to the tomb. When they see the empty tomb, Mary leaves to go get Peter and John. In the meantime, the other women see this angel in the tomb. They presumably are, are already gone by the time Peter and John come running up 
see the empty tomb. Peter and John leave, and Mary's left there alone at the tomb. And notice what John says. Verse 11, But Mary stood without at the sepulcher, weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. Now Mary's weeping because, again, she doesn't understand the momentous event that has just happened. She doesn't understand that Christ has raised from the dead. Uh, she thinks that somebody stole his body and she can't perform this service, this last service that, that she felt that she could have a part in for the Lord in preparing that body for burial and the body's gone. And she's there weeping and now Mary looks into the sepulcher and verse 12 says, and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head, the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. You wonder, how could she not know that it was Jesus here? Uh, some, some have tried to explain this by saying that it was still dark in the garden, but, but remember, we see in the other accounts that the sun was up when they get there to the, to the sepulcher, right? Um, it's not that it's that it's dark out, but the Lord here is in a is in a, a state where she doesn't immediately recognize him. Now there are other times where he appears to disciples and they do recognize him, but there's many times where he appears to them after his resurrection and they don't recognize him until until he tells them who he is, and then they know who it is. Now it's not you know this. This doesn't leave room in these passages for, you know, what some skeptics might say or, or might say this was some imposter who, you know, obviously they don't recognize him, but then he claims that he's Jesus and they just wanting to believe he's alive, that, you know, they, they believe it is Jesus. It's not that kind of a thing. When, when he reveals himself to them, you see, they, they don't see him, they don't recognize him, much like, much like the unbelieving world out there, but when he reveals himself to them, they know who it is, and then they recognize him. You see, and and so she doesn't know who it is. Um, verse fifteen, you see, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself. And saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. And Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. You see, when he says her name, what did Christ say? That his sheep know his voice? Right? When, when he says her name, all of a sudden she realizes who it is. Now, now understand, it's, it's possible as well, uh, that, you know, these, these, uh, disciples and these women are just so struck with grief, uh, you know, I mean, the, the idea that he would still be alive, they've, they've seen him put to death, they've handled his body, put it in the tomb, they know he's dead. Um, there's, there's, uh, you know, false, false, uh, teachers that teach that Christ wasn't really dead on the cross, that he just kind of passed out. They know he's dead. And, and the idea that he would be standing there in the garden alive, or, you know, here in this garden that's by this tomb, that he would be standing there alive is just so far out of, of what they would consider to be the possibility of reality that, that, you know, the first thought isn't going to be, oh, that's the Lord. 
Um, but you see, when he says her name, she turns herself, she recognizes him. She doesn't recognize him by sight. And she doesn't even recognize him, you know, just when he initially speaks to her, when he calls her woman. But when he says her name, she knows who it is. She turns to him, and you see, she, she knows that it's Rabboni, Master. And uh, here Mary becomes the first one to see the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Um, she, through, you know, through faith in Him, she gets to partake of that blessing of being a witness of His resurrection. Now, we don't get to be witnesses of His resurrection in the same way, uh, and yet we are witnesses to His resurrection, right? Um, the same way that, that Mary had to recognize the Lord, uh, we have to, we have to recognize the Lord, right? And uh, he's there in the in the word of the gospel, calling out to us, and and people don't people don't recognize him, don't acknowledge him, uh, don't acknowledge the the truth of that message. But when you believe what he did, when you when you believe that death, burial, and resurrection, uh, then you can you can recognize the Lord, and then you can be a witness of his resurrection. And Mary has the honor of being able to go back and tell the disciples, it's not just that his body's gone. I mean, that, that was bad news on top of bad news. Not only is he dead, they stole his body, but she gets to go back and say, it's not, it's not that his body's stolen, he's alive. He's risen. He's risen from the dead. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Thank you for joining us today, and our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.